0: Guess what? The show's going to be out on time this week. Woo! It's Friday night. (laughs) We're recording a show. It's going to be out on Saturday. We're not running behind for once. Welcome to this week's edition of An Hour of Your Life. My name is Kim.
1: Okay, you didn't do it. You did it right. And my name is Steve.
0: What what did I not do? Well, you, you...
1: You, you, I thought you were going to forget to. So I never
0: forget. You just no. always introduce I, us before I get anyway, a chance
1: to. Anyway, we have a. We, we have always a, say a special guest, but Brandon is a special guest. Yeah,
0: Brandon. But is they're a very all special, special and so, Brandon is special. He is very special. So we have our good. <laughs> I hope you don't mean that in the wrong way. Um, I <laughs> no. mean, you know, it's it is what it is. We have um <laughs> our very good friend Brandon Stivers, aka Indigo Jack, on the phone with us. Um for this week's show it's another interview show. Uh and I we used to see Brandon on the regular and now um he has moved from Dayton to Nashville and we don't get to see him nearly as much as I would like to. So I'm so now, grateful that you were able to take the time to come on the show.
1: We miss Jackie more than we miss Brandon. I
0: mean it is what it is, but
1: Jackie's Brandon's uh, lovely mean. wife.
0: But, but Brandon understands. Used to that. Yeah. I mean honestly though, can I can I just be honest for a minute? I miss Luna more than either one of you. Mm. You totally understand. Mm. Luna is their That's super r- awesome dog. Yeah. She has one like it's it's so blue, it's almost white eye and one brown eye, and she's just the sweetest girl ever. And I miss her and Jackie and Brandon. Well but anyway. I'm,
1: I'm used to my cat, which is nice. Yeah.
0: I don't miss Thor. Thor's Brandon's really bratty Aww. cat. I
1: remember Thor She's when she so was just mean. a kitten, and you brought her over. One She's night.
0: always been mean. Even as a kitten, she was mean.
2: Kim, She's not mean. She just doesn't like you, Kim.
1: Brandon, how long We're have we there. known you now?
2: Oh boy. Um, well, let's see. So I first met you when Kim was my teacher in high school,
0: <laughs> and
2: <laughs> that was
0: a long time ago. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well I mean, I graduated high school ten years ago, so oh
0: my gosh, Brandon, uh, can we not? Why did you ask?
1: <laughs> I met Brandon as Dracula.
0: <laughs> yes, that's true.
1: yeah, Dracula. and he was, one was one and one. I will say Brandon was an awesome Dracula. He was a very
0: good Dracula. Yeah,
1: well thank you. I took pride in that role.
0: he he nailed it. like, <laughs> and nobody else even bothered to audition. I don't think after he went up there, um because <laughs> Brandon, Brand, when Brandon was Brandon and not Indigo Jack before he got cool, he was um, he was a theater nerd and he was very talented. But like, I guess just everybody kind of he got like the side roles. And so he auditioned for the role of Dracula and he walked up there and he just was so spooky and he had the voice. It was it was Perfect. Like it's, it literally sent chills up my spine and I don't think anybody else, and this is in high school. I don't think anybody else even bothered to audition after that and, and because they all just knew that you had the part.
2: I had a good teacher. Yeah.
0: His name was Mark Manley. He was the teacher before me, yeah.
2: but.
1: <laughs> no, I did not have Mark Manley actually.
0: Okay. Anyway. You were my
1: theater teacher.
0: Well, thank you. Through and through. Well, so, thank you.
1: Brandon, you have always been interested in music. And you' your mother was a music teacher, correct? Yes. yeah,
2: and she um my mom, my mom was a music teacher. She went to um, the Cincinnati School for Performing Arts, oh, wow. and my aunt did as well. Actually, I think everybody all all my aunts all my aunts and uncles and my mom, I think all went to cincinnati performing arts school so oh wow it runs in the family did they yeah.
0: perform together like growing up or whatever
2: um they the ages are kind of spread out there so mm-hmm. i don't think any of them were there at the same time i could be gotcha. totally wrong but that's not something i ever really bothered to
0: ask. yeah yeah no that's cool and so you though did not go to cincinnati you stayed home in dayton and you went to central state university go marauders yes. And you studied. And that's
2: also where my mom went to college.
0: Oh, so she went to two different schools.
2: Yes. So Cincinnati School for for, for um Nick Performing Arts was basically like high school. So it's oh. kind of like um. Well, it's funny because my last name being Stivers, Dayton has Stivers.
0: Yeah, Stivers School, school for, for the, the Arts. Performing Arts. Yeah.
2: And they have just Cincinnati School for the Performing Arts down there, and oh. that was basically their high school. And then my mom went on to go to Central State, and uh, now I have finished college finally in uh, music and become a Centralian as well. Yeah, so...
0: Well, congratulations.
1: But in your early years, your mom, is it fair to say your mom was responsible for most of your training and development?
2: Well, um, so my mom started me off at a really young age. She said she didn't push me into music, but... Um, <laughs> I mean, that, that kind of applies to when I got older, but when I was younger, she started my voice lessons when I was about two
1: and a half, three years old, as soon as I could open okay. my mouth. So were wow. you singing the ABCs or what? <laughs> yeah.
2: I mean, I did my first solo at church when I was five. Wow. And by the time I was that age, I was learning to read music and playing piano.
0: So which came first, the reading of music or the reading of words?
2: All oh, words. I think my, I was reading like super simple books, like really just basic children's books. By the time I was about three and a half or four, I think.
1: Green eggs and ham type stuff? Oh, yeah, dude. Dr. Seuss was my jam.
2: <laughs> I love Dr. <laughs> Seuss. I still have a Dr. Seuss book. Somebody gave me um, Oh The Places You'll Go when I graduated high school, and I still have it on my bookshelf. oh.
1: So you, your mom kind of developed you and kind of led you, pushed you, developed you into this kind of career path right here, which you are a very talented musician. And you started with piano, you say, right?
2: Yeah. Um, I mean, technically voice, but piano being like, you know, the first instrument that I had to use my hands with. And that was, it was interesting, uh, as far as the challenge goes for a five-year-old. <laughs> but um, it kind of stuck with me. And, you know, I like
1: playing piano. So, I like
2: guitar more.
1: But. So when did you start playing the guitar?
2: Uh, I didn't start guitar until college. Really? Um, the secretary at Central State in the music department had a uh, an ex-boyfriend that she didn't like, and he gave her a guitar, and she just wanted it gone. Nice. So I told her I'll take it off of her hands. So I got a free guitar out of it.
0: Oh, you didn't have to pay and, for it? Um,
2: I didn't have to pay a dime for it. Nice. Where where is
1: that guitar now? Say what? Where is that guitar now? Oh, I sold it. (laughs) (laughs) It's at the pawn Shop in Xenia.
2: This is how you play it smart. I got the guitar for free and I sold it for 50 bucks. Nice. (laughs) Yeah, that helped me buy a new guitar.
0: That's how it works in the music world. You just keep upgrading and selling and upgrading. So did you teach yourself then?
2: Yeah. um, I started teaching myself at the end of my first semester of college. And I started college in 2010. So just a little context there. So I've been playing for about 10 years now.
1: So would it be fair to say that... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
2: Oh, I was going to say I really just started by just learning songs that I liked. And uh, because no other way seemed to work for me, at least with guitar. And then once I got a basic grasp of the instrument, I was able to move on from there.
0: Did you learn to play by ear then?
2: Um, yes and no. I already knew how to read music, so it wasn't terribly difficult to figure out how to read guitar tabs mm. and just figuring out. It was one of those things where you figure out the shape. And then I learned the names of each shape. And then it was like, oh, somebody said, hey, play a G. I can do that now.
1: Mm. So so,
2: so would it, it, be, it, it all kind of fell together like math, almost.
1: What, <laughs> like math. So would it be fair to say that after you learned guitar and started getting a little bit better with it and more accomplished with it, that that is when you kind of put yourself on the career path that you're on right now? Or did you have plans to be like a concert pianist or anything like that? Or how, how did that develop?
2: Oh boy. So my initial plans when I first got into college was I'm going to be a music teacher and I'm going to get out and I'm going to teach in, you know, the Dayton school area and all that. And that is clearly not what happened <laughs> <laughs> as I'm now living in Nashville. But um, yeah, so that was my general plan. I didn't have a guitar um, until college. So once I finally got one and I, I had this, uh, English teacher who saw me carrying it around one day and she said, Hey, there's an open mic in yellow Springs, um, really close to here. And I said, okay, cool. And she goes, it's on Tuesday, come out and play. I'll come out and watch you. And I said, okay. So I went out to play and sure enough, she came out and she brought a friend and her husband and we all mm-hmm. just, like, you know, they listened to me play and, that was my, um, I mean, I had been on stage many times before. I mean, I grew up in a group called the Dayton Boys Choir, and we sang for the, uh, the grand opening of the Schuster Center, which is that uh, music center in downtown Dayton, a real big, fancy glass one. Mm-hmm. We, we've talked about I, that on the show before. Yeah, I sang the grand opening of that.
0: Oh, nice. Oh, cool.
2: So- I, was, I was seven years old.
0: Is it different, though, getting up and performing um, when you perform sort of more classical music versus when you get up and you do like an open mic night and it's just you and a guitar and a song?
2: There's, oh man. So I when I sing classically, I feel like there's so much pressure to be perfect because there's this history behind classical that is really elegant and just, you know, it's very, for lack of a better word, almost snooty. Mm. And um, people kind of have this high expectation going in there like, oh, classical, this is going to be the best of the best performance I've ever seen. And I'm almost shaking the entire time. I'm I'm almost more focused on preventing myself from being nervous. (laughs) <laughs> rather than actually performing what I'm doing classical and something about just being on stage as a songwriter with a guitar my voice and then just the crowd there's this moment of intimacy between you and the crowd where you know I'm singing and sometimes they'll join in and then we're all just singing together it's not mm-hmm. just me it's everybody in the room together just enjoying themselves and that's The whole point and the whole idea of it is just that you enjoy what you're doing and that the people that are around you see that you're enjoying yourself, and through that, they enjoy their time there with you.
0: So it sounds like you enjoy performing in a small, intimate audience more than you enjoy performing those things that you've been classically trained in.
2: Oh, definitely. I mean, sorry, Mom, but (laughs) there's just, it's, it's kind of like when you go to a really fancy event and you're wearing this suit and you almost feel like you have to keep up appearances sort of mm. and that's what classical is and then the 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 just being up there with a the guitar and it's just me and the crowd and and we're all just enjoying ourselves it's kind of like walking in your street clothes like down the road without a care, and you're just like, yeah, I'm the man. Like that's you. You're more confident. You're just more comfortable. Now what I'm about more me?
0: What about your the songs that you've written? Is it hard to to put those out before an audience? Oh, is it hard?
2: Um, absolutely. So, um, I already have what I consider to be crippling anxiety when it comes to music in general. My voice, um, I, I feel like this is just a vocalist thing, but I cannot stand the sound of my voice. When I hear myself in recordings, like I cringe and I kind of pull back and I almost want to stop it so that people can't hear it. But um, wow. my wife and my mom reassure me that I'm not bad. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, my mom says... And um, but when I' when you're putting something out there, like a recording, you're putting yourself out there. This is something that you've worked on. This is something that you you've really just kind of poured your heart and soul into. And your only hope is that somebody out there resonates with it, enjoys it, and passes it along to somebody that they think will also resonate with it and enjoy it. And maybe somebody, Experiences something through that, and maybe somebody is saved through it. I know um, my favorite musician is a guy's name Dallas Green. Uh, he goes under the stage name City in Color. And just listening to him sing, if you ever get the chance to, his lyrics are very honest and very eloquent, they're really intelligent. And at the same time, he's singing with this very sincere voice that really, at the end of the day, made me appreciate my voice more because it's the only one that I'm going to get. (laughs) And (laughs) I mean, it's the only one I'm getting, but at the same time, just hearing what he can do with like just the smoothest, most like it's for lack of a better term, his voice is very sweet. Hmm. Hey. And it oh. just like helped me appreciate that kind of voice because what you hear in pop is like, you know, very intense. And sometimes it's not what everybody has, well, sure. you know, not everybody sounds that way and it's unrealistic. So when you hear somebody singing in a very realistic way, it, it helped me really, become more confident in putting out my own music and, and such, because it is very difficult to just say, Hey, people, here's a piece of me. Uh, please don't throw it in the trash.
0: Oh, that's so sad.
1: Hey, before we move well, I
0: mean,
1: on, I was going to say, before we move on to Nashville, let's, let's talk a little bit about the local music scene here in Dayton. You, you know, you talked a little about, um, open mic nights, how hard is that to find and then if you are a a budding new musician here in Dayton how do you where do you, where do you go how do you get started and what's the ladder and then we'll move on here later and uh, we'll, we'll move to Nashville
0: <laughs> all
2: right so as far as Dayton goes here's the thing i had to rediscover Dayton recently because Dayton has at least since I started doing open mics and performing in Dayton, Dayton has really shrunk down. There are a lot of open mics and um, music venues and open jams that
1: just don't exist anymore. Aww. Is that because I of remember, COVID or is that... what? Well, give me a time frame here.
2: Oh, well, let's see. If I started in about 2009, 2010, it's been... Well, I if I have to give it an exact time, it was yeah. probably around 2015, 2016. Really? Probably. Okay, so it,
1: it's not COVID-related that things have slowed down because of the virus. Why do
2: you think that is? Mm, no. Um. Well, the thing is, Dayton lost arguably its best songwriter venue, um, the Canal Street Tavern, oh. which has been. Um, it's changed management and it has become something that it was not originally was just this gorgeous space. Like you have this beautiful bar and you have a area of seating that is almost like going to a theater and you have some seats in front of a stage and it's an actual stage. It's not like just a space set aside for music it's an actual elevated platform Mm -hmm. and there's lights and a really great sound system. The, the guy who ran the sound there, um, he was just, he was an incredible guy and he would, you would almost have to not almost, you actually had to sign up weeks if not months in advance just to perform on open mic.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Canal Street is well, definitely missed.
2: Yeah, it was beautiful. It was a nice, dark, very ambient, somber setting. And you, you knew what you were in for. And people didn't do what they do in coffee shops and in bars and stuff like typical bars because this was still a bar. But in, in the typical bars where everybody's just talking and, you know, everybody's trying to hear what each other's saying. So they're talking over the music and they're talking over the performer, which is really discouraging as a musician when people are there during an open mic night or they're there to, you have people that are there to listen to music. And then you just have people that are detracting from that setting. It's, mm. Like I said before, it's very intimate to be up on stage and to perform music for people. Um, regardless of how comfortable you are, it is a connection that you're making with your audience. And when your audience isn't reciprocating that intimacy, you it's very easy to get discouraged.
0: I can see that because you're um, really vulnerable up there with just you, a guitar, and a microphone.
2: Yeah. There's one place in particular that I can think of that um was very consistent with that and i mean it's not really made to be a music venue it's a coffee shop but it's a place in uh, cedarville it's about 20 30 minutes away from dayton um and it's funny i actually met my wife there so i'm not trying to bash it but it's a place called beans and cream they have great coffee if you ever get a chance to go there but um it's not a music venue it's it's not pretending to really be that they have music and they welcome musicians, and they try to make it an accessible space for musicians. But at the same time, it's not like going to a listening room where there are rules. Like uh, Canal Street, if you were to go in there and start talking and making all kinds of noise during a performance, I could almost bet you would probably
1: be asked to leave. Well, Canal Street was more like a concert venue mm-hmm. almost. I think Exactly.
0: Did you did you ever we play at
2: the bright side? I'm sorry, what was that, Ken?
0: Did you ever get to play at the bright side? I think they're relatively new.
2: No, I did not get a chance to play at bright side. I'm actually really sad about that. I'm hoping that I can um, come back to Dayton once COVID and everything is finally decided to uh, run its course, so that I can, yeah. you know.
0: And we'll talk about that a little bit too, about COVID here in a few, but, um, yeah, I think that's really, I think Brightside really locally has kind of taken the place of Canal street and we haven't had a chance to go because they really did open just before COVID I think. And so, which is a terrible timing, but.
2: So I really hope that these places stay open because that's, that's the thing that's made it, uh, at least it was more difficult for me going to Dayton because, Open mics used to be every single night. I used to hit three or four open mics in a single night. And now, like, before I left Dayton, I was lucky to find one or two, like, during the week. Because so many venues just found them so they weren't, as they say, profitable. They weren't bringing in any extra money. So they didn't want to pay somebody to get up there and and run an open mic. And so a lot of these places just stopped having them um trolley stop stopped having their open mic after a while i'm not sure if it started back up or not but that was a place i used to frequent um there was um it was on fifth street it was the
0: oh boy they have really
2: good pizza oh
0: oregon express oregon express (laughs) or oregon express yes over by uh you say pizza i can give you a place (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah, I used to play over there with uh, Todd the Fox all the time. Oh yeah, and then Ned Peppers
1: as well. Oh, yeah. I think uh, yeah. Blind, Blind Bob's right now. I really Blind Bob is the place. Yeah, but, but no, not right now. But doing I think anything right now. Yeah, but Blind Bob's is kind of the place in the Oregon right now where yeah. people go to listen to different music.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. Bob's kind of always was the place to do that. Um, Bob's was. Well well, like I said, you know, you have the settings that are louder. Bob's was a little bit louder, but you had a lot of people that would go in there just to listen to the music. So while it was a little bit louder, it wasn't discouraging to be there.
1: Yeah, I mean Blind Bob's setting is, yeah. to, to me, really Blind really Bob's supported. is a hybrid. So you could you know, the people who wanted to talk and converse, they'd sit back by by the bar, but the people mm-hmm. that wanted the music, there was even dance floor there and there mm-hmm. was a stage. So it's to me it's kind yeah. of a hybrid
2: yeah and it's a bigger space too yeah it's, yeah so it is like a,
0: a nice space. big space, yeah
1: so with that how how difficult was it then you know developing you know for you to move on up as open mics how how did you move on and progress if you're following the question there? um
2: as far as like moving from like just open mics to actual professional gigs
1: and like
2: finding a a space. Well, that's the thing is in Dayton, it's really tough to do that because you have so many musicians and so few venues that you, this, this dynamic of fighting has been created between musicians Um, in Dayton. When I was there and performing and some people may disagree with this, but when I was in Dayton, there were a lot of people that were very supportive of each other but at the same time, we were in constant competition to get gigs.
0: No, that makes and,
2: sense. And, and that was, it was really hard because you almost, like, I almost never got anything paid, really. Um, thus why I stuck to open mics, and I did actually start getting some gigs from, like, the college towns around the area. Mm-hmm. But even then, it was every few months, And once I did create a relationship with those places, it was, you know, then it became once a month or once every other month or so. But that's the real thing is it's creating relationships with the people who own these venues. And if I can give anybody any kind of advice who's listening to this, it is to go and talk to these people in person, go to the open mics. If they have one there, you know, perform, show them what you got, show them your chops. And really just be a genuine person. Don't try to be anything other than yourself.
0: So it sounds like almost a recurrent, ongoing job interview.
2: It is. And I hate job interviews.
1: (laughs) Just
0: (laughs) just
2: let me do it.
1: (laughs) So you kind of grew up here in the Dayton area and developed, kind of set your I don't want to say set your genre, but kind of set your career path. And, you know, before we get into Nashville, how what, what genre do you do? What's your favorite? What's your style of music?
2: Oh, man. So um, my style of music. I'm going to get to all, Nashville soon. <sighs> you want to get what? We'll I'm, get I'm, to
0: Nashville eventually.
2: Oh, yeah. My my style of music falls under um alternative rock and um, folk music. Hmm. Um maybe even indie rock, but the thing is those genres are so broad. Like you say alternative rock and you're talking anything from uh, Nirvana to even some groups that would be considered metal. You well, know. And I
0: even remember very proud. I even remember Michael Bublé being considered alternative at one point in time when nobody was really That's doing really. much of the swing anymore or whatever. And that was an alternative, like a true alternative to mainstream music. So yeah, alternative
2: such a jazz artist.
0: Alternative.
2: <laughs> I, couldn't see, I couldn't see him being labeled as alternative, but I I definitely could see the community and the general public labeling somebody as that when they just don't know what to call
0: it. Right. Yeah. It's just, it's such a broad, so many things fall under the alternative label that he's like jazz pop. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> which is funny. So
1: if you were to develop your own brand, your own genre, what would you call yourself? Oh Lord. And there's a tough one for you, huh? Oh
0: Lord, that's what you call hey. yourself?
2: No, that's just such a loaded question. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> what would I, yeah, I get paid
1: I, I get paid to ask the yeah. uh, tough questions.
2: Yes, here. you do. You do get paid to ask the really hard questions. What would I call
1: my genre? If if you were to get your oh, own channel goodness. on Sirius
0: I, what would that say? Because I know what I would say. Well, for, let's let Brandon, Brandon describe But I'm curious what he would yeah. say.
2: Well, see, that's the thing. is I've done everything from classical to worship, and I'm trying to get back into my rock roots. And um, I've, a lot of that entails doing some blues stuff.
1: But, um... Mm, mm. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Those are not good noises.
1: Mm. We can come back to that one. Man, we might have to come
2: back to no, that after. I would
0: I would call you Americana. I think that you are pure American music. There's a little bit of folk in there. There's a little bit of blues in there. There's a little bit, the gospel comes out. There's a little bit of classic in there. And I think that Brandon is exactly what you would picture as America. He is a true melting pot. And that's kind of what I picture you. That's how I would describe your musical style.
2: I can definitely see that because so I grew up. Okay, so it's really funny. I remember growing up listening to classical music, driving around all the time with my mom. And then I get in the car with my dad, and we were listening to Dire Straits, Top, the, the Eagles, you know, Rolling Stones. We were listening to classic rock, and then. I discovered at the time, uh, I think it was in about sixth grade. I discovered 10390X, where they were playing, you know, hard rock, alternative rock, and, you know, new rock is what they called it. Mm. And that was like Linkin Park and, um, you know, like all of the bands.
0: Yeah, Green Day, write, all of the original yeah, like, OG Green Day, pop punk bands. Race yeah. Against the Machine. Yep and
2: flock I, of seagulls.
0: I broke my collarbone I, during a flock of seagulls x-fest one year
2: oh man fest was wild i never actually got to go to one but i've seen pictures i've heard stories but my mom was super protective of me <laughs> so <laughs> i never got to go to anything like that and um I think oh. she was so protective that I had to make a secret preset for the radio station. Aww. Okay, <laughs> so
1: wait a minute, wait she just one second. That. So, Mrs. Stivers, I know you're going to be listening to this. <laughs> just plug your ears for the next 15 <laughs> Shh, seconds. It's
2: fine. Oh, okay. she already knows. She uh, okay. already knows. <laughs> I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure she knew what I was doing and she just let it happen but it was one of those where if she like caught me and I tried to keep it going, she'd be like, what's this garbage you're listening to? You're like, mom, it's rock Like, Come on. I gotta be free. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. So, but, Oh no, go ahead. Finish up.
2: Oh, but I, I'm just saying, I got really good at switching between that jazz station and the classical station uh, to and from my rock station. Like it was almost like one smooth motion the second I saw her come out of the house to get into the car.
1: <laughs> all right. So let's load up the U-Haul and let's start driving south down Interstate 75.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I almost died.
0: <laughs> I cried so much, so many times because you took my best friend away from me. I'm sorry. That's all right.
2: She was my best friend first.
0: <laughs> That's true.
1: That's true. <laughs> okay. So we're, we're, we're in Nashville now.
0: Now
1: what? Now what? <laughs> now what?
2: what That's is the, a great question. Yeah, now <laughs> what? Everybody, everybody in Nashville is kind of asking that question in the music industry. Now what? Yeah. The, the thing that we're really having a hard time with is, like what I was experiencing in Dayton, is a lack of venues. Really? Because a lot of the venues that are open right now are the very touristy ones that you see on Broadway. Mm. The honky-tonk uh, bars and stuff that are that are owned by all the really famous people.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But, um, you know, it, unless you're a house band or you've already made a decent name for yourself out here and know people, you're not really finding too much. Um we're kind of still waiting for the open mics to open back up. But on the other hand, a lot of stuff is starting to open. There's a couple, um, gigs that are here in middle Tennessee is what we call it. Um, anywhere. I think it's about like maybe 30 to 60 miles outside of Nashville, anywhere in that range. There's a lot of wineries and vineyards that are looking for people to come and play. But the only problem is nobody from Nashville is going to drive an hour there and an hour back for a $30 gig. So
1: let me, let me ask you this. Are are people going to Nashville to discover themselves and develop their own music or are they going there to be discovered or is it a combination?
2: For me, it's the combination I'm here at Nashville to discover myself as a musician and to collaborate with a bunch of other musicians because that was a lot of stuff like we didn't see in Dayton like there was there was a lot of competition and there was a little bit of collaboration. But what I've noticed here in Nashville is there's a lot more collaboration and a lot less, almost no competition. I haven't seen anybody, fighting for gigs or anything like that even with the the few ones that are out here I'm part of a um I'm part of this networking page for musicians on Facebook and it's so supportive I got here and I said hey guys uh, I just moved here from Ohio I have no idea what I'm doing can anybody help and I had at least 30 responses of yeah. just people giving advice and saying hey if you ever want to get together and jam just let me know you know and it's really cool to see that kind of camaraderie between people who don't even know each other.
1: So are you working with a group of people right now to start a band? Is, is it hard to find people with the same interest? Or are you finding that on the Facebook page?
2: Um, we tend to find that on the Facebook page. A funny story, I actually ran into a guy at a store called Marine Lair. Um, who went to the same university that my wife went to, Anderson. And um, he went there before she did. He's a little bit older than I am. And he plays the drums. And he had another guy that worked there with him that was, you know, really good on the guitar. He played some lead. And I said, well, I can sing and play rhythm. And they were like, cool. And then they ended up finding a bassist that they knew that went to a church with them. And we got together earlier this week, I think uh, Tuesday. We got together Tuesday night this past week. And we had our first jam session, and we just clicked, and it was super fun. Everybody had a blast, and uh, we're coming up with playlists and uh, you know figuring out what our set list is going to be for when we actually get to gigging.
1: So are you, is anyone writing their own music for this? Are you playing a lot of covers, or...?
2: Right now, um, so the the general feel when you start a band is everybody's still trying to figure out how they mesh with each other and what the dynamic is and what kind of style is everybody like and everything. So uh, you typically start off with a lot of covers, which is what we're doing. Mm -hmm. But a lot of our styles really kind of fall in line. You know, we really like funk. We really like Alternative music, and like we're all 90s kids, like we all really like 90s music, <laughs> like 90s rock, you know, Nirvana and, and such, um, Kurt Cobain and, um, Pixies. We're, we, we're working on a Pixies song, and, um, we just kind of decided, you know, we're gonna stick with some covers for a while and just till we figure out how we, uh, how we we synchronize with each other, and then we'll start writing original material. But I never stop writing original material. I'm always working on something. So how, how, who knows? How, you might hear something in the band show up that I wrote.
0: That's cool. How does that work with country music? Because I think when a lot of people think Nashville, they think country music. And the Pixies are definitely not country.
2: Oh, no, they're not. <laughs> um, Nashville is definitely the country capital of
1: the world. Um, Do you have any it, cowboy boots yet? so bad. <laughs> Say what? Do you have any cowboy boots yet? No. You won't, <laughs> talk, you won't touch me dead in <laughs> cowboy boots.
2: Okay. But, um, there, there is a dynamic of people that just appreciate music um, out here, and the, the funny thing is, is because everybody expects country out of Nashville, I feel like that's all that you hear. Mm. So I was, I was actually at a music store, um, the Corner Music Store, which is the largest um, privately owned local music store in Nashville. It's incredible. That place is like my playground. <laughs> it is heaven in a box. And I can't get enough of that place. I've been there twice in, like, this past week. Mm-hmm. But, of course, um, I like it so much I'm trying to get a job there. So, of course. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> but, um, I was there, and I was talking to one of the uh, guitar technicians who was working on my guitar, and he said, it's funny because in Nashville there's this stigma on guitars, like the guitar itself. Mm-hmm. that if you're not playing a Les Paul, you're not playing a sh- like a Fender Stratocaster or a Telecaster, you're not playing the right guitar because everything is so country out here.
0: Yeah.
2: So it's funny because I, um, I have this really weird guitar. I call it my Gumby guitar. You've seen it, Steve. Yeah. And I just decided, you know, I want to play every gig on this thing. And... Whether I break the stigma or not, I'm still just going to own that. You know, hmm. this is my stuff. I love my stuff, and my stuff is me. It is an extension of who I am. Everything that you see me like wearing or playing on is all part of my personality in somewhat shape, or form. Well, I have we, such a hard time getting rid of gear
1: when because we come when we come to Nashville.
2: A guitar.
1: I said, said, when we come to Nashville, Kim's going to bring you a cowboy hat and I'm going to bring you a pair of boots. Oh, Lord.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We didn't say you have to wear them. We're just going to bring them to you. You can hang them in your closet for when you get desperate.
2: I will put them in a beautiful showcase and display them for the world to see.
0: (laughs) I call shenanigans, but okay.
1: Okay, so aside (laughs) from
0: the music,
1: Nashville is a lot bigger city than Dayton. You you find in plenty of things to do right now and there's so much to do in
2: nashville um
1: there's
2: there's a lot to do downtown but i think the most the most neglected part of nashville is the the nature around the area i really like spending time outdoors Mm -hmm. as does my wife jackie it's one of the things that we um really mesh on and there's beautiful lakes and mountains and just wooded areas that you can just go and spend your entire day at and not realize that the day is
1: passed. There's a lot of Civil War and, history around Nashville too. Oh
0: yeah,
2: there is definitely, um, especially if you go to um, the Hermitage, I believe.
1: Andrew is Jackson, a very historic area. Yeah,
2: yeah.
0: Yeah, I think the last time that we were down there, we did a bunch of Civil War stuff.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, if you want to talk civil war, you got to talk to my dad. That guy knows everything.
0: So, are you are you gigging right now? How has coronavirus, I guess, is, uh, impacted? I, you picked a heck of a time to move. First of all, you Brandon moved. <laughs> Brandon and Jackie both moved in the middle of a pandemic, um, and uh, it just I can't imagine. Both are artists. Um, Jackie, for those of you who are mile 13 fans, of course, Jackie is that Jackie, um, from mile 13. Uh, and it's just, I would imagine it's hard all over for artists, but especially musicians. Jackie has a little bit of an advantage being a graphic designer that she doesn't necessarily interact with the public as much, but is it hard to find gigs right now just because of coronavirus?
2: Coronavirus has a vice grip hold on the music industry right now. Um, The way I see it, it is very difficult to be able to walk into a place and say, hey, I'm a musician. Can I play for you sometime? And they're like, I don't know you, dude. Or, you know, there's places, these places are really picking the people that they know Mm. right now. So if you've just moved here, and they don't know you, you've gotta find some way to get them to know you. And so the, how do you the, do that? The way that with all the restrictions and everything happening to keep people safe and keep people healthy, it's made it quite difficult to get out there and find gigs in the traditional sense. We've had to get very creative.
0: So what are, what are, what does that look like for you? Those creative outside the box gigging, what does that look like?
2: Oh man, outside the box gigging. I've seen, I haven't seen too many street performers, which is one of the things that you used to see a lot of.
0: Oh yeah. Especially down in Nashville. um,
2: Yeah. Like I haven't seen too many street performers at all. Um, as far as the, like I said before on Broadway, you have a lot of just the honky tonk bands that like everybody knows and they're like the house bands playing. There are some small venues that are taking in new artists and um, even like lesser known act to um, have a musical presence. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the really popular areas, I don't think that the, um, there's a place called the Bluebird Cafe. I'm not even sure if they reopened music at all. Um, I could be completely wrong. I need to look more into that. But last I heard, they haven't reopened yet. And I was only talking about them with somebody a couple weeks ago. But um, musicians right now, gigging hasn't been the focus. The focus, I think, has been really on collaborating and working together to find ways to make your presence known. And the thing that's been pivotal in that is social media, honestly. Um, putting videos up online, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, even. Twitter is – I hate Twitter. But um, <laughs> Twitter's such a pain for me. Like I don't want to get up and, and tweet like, yeah, I had – chili for dinner or something. It's, I don't see the point in it. It's not as intimate to me. Now,
0: and you I mentioned um, social media. I know on Facebook, which uh, we've talked about how I got off of it, so I'm not really equipped to speak on it. But before I got off, I know there was a page called Socially Distant Fest. And it was yeah. basically people from all over the world that it's a 24-7 live stream. You jump on there, and you're just streaming, you performing. Do you ever perform on there, and do you get feedback if you do?
2: Um, I've performed on there once. I haven't since, and that's just because the chaos of the move kind of made me very tired. (laughs) And I know that's a really horrible excuse, but um, I started a job at Amazon, and while it's only part-time, it's one of those things where it's just very draining, so... During the week, I've been trying to write original material, and I haven't really spent too much time focusing on doing virtual concerts, mm-hmm. but mm, coronavirus has definitely shown the musical world that musicians are very capable of doing concerts on their own from home And we have kind of pulled together as a musical community, not just in Nashville, but across the nation and throughout the world to support each other and help each other grow and um, really create a presence for yourself. The one time I did do a virtual concert, I was noticed by somebody in California. Oh wow! And it was somebody I didn't even know. And they were saying to their friends, hey, look at this guy. I was like, whoa, like that's, It was one of those moments where you're kind of like, you can't help but smile because you're like, dude, that's awesome. Like someone I don't know from the opposite end of my country. Yeah. We're recognized. We're
1: we're kind of experiencing that because we have this one person, like every episode, there's one listen from Iran.
0: Yeah. They're (laughs) (laughs) a mystery to us. We've asked them to write in several times and they never do. (laughs) So it's kind of weird.
1: <laughs> that's awesome. Hey, so if someone wanted to listen to your original music, where would they go? How would how do they find you?
2: Um, you would find me on Spotify. Um, the music that's out right now is uh all of the worship music that I have done in the past. I'm currently working on some newer stuff that is more um, Telling of my personality and who I am as a person, rather than who I am as a worship leader, mm-hmm. and uh, my time working in the church. Um, I worked with Steve for about what four years? Three or four oh, years. years? Four yeah. years. At Wright Patterson Air Force Base, leading worship, which what? was not something that we've I learned ever so really much and it helped me. It really helped me grow as a musician that four years which was awesome. Like just getting into a band's dynamic and and showing up and learning how to run rehearsals and and coordinating together, you know, communicating, coordinating
1: as a group. Well, that's kind of, um, that's kind of weird right now. When I say weird, everything is online. So it's almost like a TV performance that we're doing, but
0: yeah, that's something we've never really discussed on the show is that Steve is a praise and worship leader. Um, I don't think we've ever even mentioned that. And it's, it's something that I'm really proud of. Um, and it's something that obviously has influenced you. And And it's really cool. Um, you know, you say that, Steve, that uh, everything is kind of different now. Um, and it's more like a TV show because we live stream chapel services.
1: Yes, yeah, so we have to go and record yeah. and play in front of a camera right now. But uh, See, I
2: was doing that at my church before we left Ohio. Except we weren't we weren't pre recording. We were just doing it live.
1: Well, we tried so live a couple live times, stream. but ended up going. It was best to go uh, recording. just, yeah, just because I of think, schedules.
2: I think the pre recorded route is a little bit um, cleaner. Mm. It's weird, and there's there's less variables that can mess things up. Because you know, if you're doing a live stream and your internet just decides that it doesn't want to work today, then you're done, and it can be one of those frustrating things.
1: Yeah, and it takes a whole. Had that set. happen
2: a couple times.
1: Yeah, and it takes a whole different set of equipment to make that happen. But anyway, let's yeah, get back does. to let's get back to Brandon in Nashville. So, <laughs> where, where where do you say we find you?
2: Um, you can find me on YouTube. You can find me on Spotify. Pretty much any streaming platform you'll be able to find me. Um, right now all of my music is under my name, Brandon Stivers, but I'm going to be releasing my own personal music. Um, I mean, all the songs that are on, that are out right now are music music that I've written. It's all original music. But I'm going to be recording and writing and putting out some music that is just like me, who I am, it's going to, it's going to be more in the secular sense. So, um, not praise and worship. I've, um, recently been on a bit of a personal journey trying to figure out who I am as a musician and, um, how that fits in with, my life and my sound and how i can connect with people with that but um and you think i'll be putting some more stuff out under indigo jack and you might even hear some of my band's stuff too
1: yeah and you yeah. think nashville is the place to do this for you are you in the right place at the right time in your life
2: I think I'm at the right place and it's the right time, but I don't think that Nashville is the end all. I think, honestly, if you are a musician and you're looking to try to make anything for yourself, really start where you're at and start online. Um, you can make it just about anywhere nowadays. You don't have to move to a big city. There's such a big, massive internet presence around the world that you can just focus your efforts in different places by doing things properly. And, uh, you can find all the tools for that online. But, um, I mean, honestly, for musicians who are in say rock right now, there is an unbelievable amount of support for American rock music in Mexico. Right really? Now, which is crazy. It's not even the US. But Mexico City has had um, the highest stream rate for American rock fans. Mm. I think it was in 2018 or 2019. Interesting. And South America is just eating up American music, North American music.
1: Well, Bluegrass was big in Japan in the 60s. That's
0: true. That's true.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay, but but it's because it's different from what they hear, and they like hearing. Oh, yeah,
0: songs. that makes sense. So now you can say you can go look for Brandon Stivers on all of your streaming platforms, and you can you can be that hipster guy that's like, I knew Brandon Stivers before he was Indigo Jack, and he was just Brandon Stivers. I've been a fan of his for a long time.
1: And it's Brandon B R A N D E N. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yes, I had to be different. Yeah. Well, your mom was different, so.
0: <laughs> your mom is. Different. Your mom was
1: clever. So, so, Brandon, we got just a few more minutes. Any last things you want to leave us with? Promote yourself, what you're doing. Um, we got about two or three more minutes here.
0: Okay, yeah. Uh, how how uh, do they get hold you of you? Find me. Say what?
1: If someone wanted to write you, how do they get hold of you? Or
0: book you? Or
2: book me? Okay, so uh, you can find me multiple different ways. You can find me on Facebook under. I believe I'm still under Indigo and Lights right now, but you will be able to find me under Indigo Jack on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, on Instagram, I am called in. It is uh, Indigo underscore Jack official. You can email me at indigoandlights at gmail You can message me on any of my social media platforms and uh, even if you just want to say hi you know drop by give me a shout out and i'll uh, get back to you as soon as i can
0: he's and actually I like very approachable to people and
1: meeting new people
0: yeah he's very approachable i would suggest that you drop him a line
1: Brandon's a nice guy
0: follow him on instagram to see oh. pictures of luna and and, yes. and him i guess too but i will luna, be posting especially.
1: pictures of the pup <laughs> all right so we're
0: so we're, one thing also before we wrap up something that i wanted to um, put out there also uh NIVA, the the National Independent Venue Association, you can find them at nivassoc.org or saveourstages.com. It is a really, really good organization that is um, really trying to lobby in um, Washington right now to really help out independent artists like Brandon and other independent venues that are being affected by coronavirus. Um, A lot of people don't realize that Brandon is lucky enough to have a second job, but a lot of independent musicians are not. Um, And so they really depend on gigs, and uh, there's not a ton of profit in running um, a place like Canal Street or Brightside or a small local independent music venue. Um, And so a lot of those places are in danger of being shut down. So if you really want to support independent music and independent music venues and those smaller up-and-coming bands – please go to saveourstages.com and lend your voice and lend your help. Um, they're not asking for money. They're just asking for names for petition so that they can get some of this um, support and stimulus money to help save their local venues uh, from the the you know bills and everything that are coming along with coronavirus and not being able to open.
1: So it's time for a little bit of a teaser right now. In the last literally seconds we have right here, we're going to have Brandon back on the show here in a couple weeks.
0: Yes, I'm so excited for this. One. And
1: Brandon, what are we going to be talking about?
2: We're going to be talking about a place that many people have dubbed hell on earth. It is called Centralia, Pennsylvania. Oh, I love of it. Game nerds might know it as Silent Hill.
1: All right. Ugh, That's so enough excited. of a teaser.
0: I'm so excited. That's enough
1: of a teaser. We're crossing
0: over <laughs> into mile 13 territory. I'm super excited.
1: All right. Well, Brandon, thanks for being on the show tonight. Best of luck in Nashville. Can't wait to see you again, my friend. And uh, tell Jackie hi, Pet Luna. And we'll see you when we see you.
0: Tell Thor to get over herself.
1: Definitely will.
2: Oh, <laughs> she's just sitting here right here listening to you.
0: Aw. Well, we yeah. love you guys. We stay love you safe, guys. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll see you when we see you.
1: All right, Kim. So
2: Love if, you guys. Take care.
1: Yep. Thanks, Brandon. We'll see you. So, Kim, if someone wanted to get hold of us, we can certainly pass the message on to Brandon.
0: Absolutely. How do you how do
1: you get hold of us here at uh,
0: our show is called An Hour of Your Life. Yeah. Is, is what you were trying to say. Yeah. You can find us at a at gmail.com is our email address. We're also a lost hour on the Twitter, on Facebook and Instagram. We are an hour of your life. Uh, and so you can message us on any of those places. We still have like two Twitter followers, so please follow us on Twitter. So I, I'm with
1: Brandon. To... I'm with Brandon on Twitter. I know
0: Twitter's not my favorite, but but if it is your it if if it's your favorite, go follow us on Twitter.
1: All right. So from our studios in Sugar Creek Township.
0: Thanks for spending an hour of your life with us. <laughs>
2: Take it.